Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the blessing of God. If you're thankful for God's blessing today, say amen. amen. Listen, folks, I love preaching about the blessing of God because I am a partaker of the blessings of God because of a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. And so uh, I'm thankful that I can look to God's Word, His truth, and see what blessing comes to me as His child. Amen. I love that. I'm so thankful for that. That's one reason I love preaching on the blessing of God. Let me tell you another reason. Because I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done. If you're listening to me this morning, uh, whether you're in this sanctuary, you're listening by radio, you're listening by podcast, whatever the case may be, I want you to know, no matter who you are, what you've been, where you've been, what you've done, folks, you can receive God's blessing through faith in Christ. Each and every one of us, the same blessings that are available to me as God's child are available to you if you'll only trust in Jesus. And so I love preaching about the blessing of God. But then we see uh, in verse number two, we see a powerful purpose that God has called his children to. Those who have realized his blessing have been given purpose. But I want you to understand you cannot fulfill your purpose until you've realized your blessing. And so we'll look at verse one, God's blessing. Then we'll see verse 2, God's purpose. Let's read them together. I'm going to pray for you, and we'll get right into this message. Look what it says. God be merciful unto us, and bless us, and cause His face to shine upon us, Salah, that thy way may be known upon the earth, thy saving health among the nations. Let us pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity and privilege of being a part of what you're doing in this body of believers. Lord, thank you for allowing me one more time to stand behind an open Bible and preach your truth to your people. We believe your word is real. We believe your word is relevant to us today. We believe that through the application of Scripture, our lives can and will be changed. And so, Lord, we're praying today that you take your truth, make it real to the hearer. May we apply it to our lives and leave here different than when we came in this place this morning. Father, we're praying that you move me out of the way. You speak to me, Lord, and you speak through me. For these people need not hear what I have to say, but we need to hear straight from your word, straight from heaven this morning, your truth unto your people. Holy Spirit, have your way and have your will in this place. Lord, this is not about us. It's all about you today. May we make it all about you individually in each and every heart and each and every life. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. Look what it says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 67 of the book of Psalms. He, get, he really asked for three specific things. Now it's in the asking that we see exactly what's been realized to the believer that's placed their faith in Jesus. Listen to what he says. First of all he says, God be merciful unto us. The writer of the book of Psalms realized his great need for mercy before a holy God. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. The first step in you getting right with God, the first step in you realizing uh, your, the, the blessing that God has for you, the first step in you having a right relationship with the God of heaven is you realizing your great need for mercy. I don't know about you, but there was a time in my life when I was lost and undone on my way to a devil's hell, and God the Holy Spirit began revealing unto me my great need for a Savior. 
He began showing me my sinfulness, showing me how lost and undone I truly was. Now, folks, I want you to know something. I'd never robbed a bank. I'd never killed nobody. I wasn't a serial murderer. Uh, There was nothing uh, like that in my past. But I want you to know I understood and realized I needed Jesus. How many of you know, I don't care who you are, what you've done, whether you see it as really big things or really small things, we all came here standing in need of a Savior spiritually dead and depraved. Each and every one of us. See, how many of you came here a sinner? You came here born with that sinful nature that made you need a Savior to be born again into God's family. That's for me, you, and everybody else. I don't care what pulpit you stand in or what pew you sit in. All of us need a Savior. Every one of us. we got to realize that. We all need God's mercy. Let me give you some scripture to prove that this morning. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10. The Bible says, there is none righteous. No, not one. There's nobody that does everything right according to God's standard. I wish this morning I could stand up here and tell you that I did everything right, but I don't. I can't. While I'm in this flesh, I never will. That's why I need God's mercy. That's why you need God's mercy. We we can do what's right by our standard because we want to lower the standard. Can you say amen? I remember when I was probably, I don't know, 12, 13 years old and uh, I went out to the uh, rec center out here at Hamilton. And uh, there were some guys in there that were just jumping out of the gym, man, and, and dunking a basketball. And I always thought, man, how cool it would be to dunk a basketball. But no matter how hard I tried, uh, I just couldn't get up high enough to do it. I mean, I, I just, that just was not possible for me. I grew up with a mom and daddy who always taught me, listen, you work hard enough, it, you can do whatever you want to do. But guess what, folks? I found out there were some limitations to me. Amen. I knew that was never going to happen. Y'all remember that old movie, White Men Can't Jump? Well, that, they wrote that about Brother Israel. I, I couldn't jump, I couldn't dribble, I couldn't do much of nothing. That's just the way it was as far as basketball goes. But, but I always wanted to dunk that ball. Let me tell you what happened. I came in one day and I saw what somebody had done. They had taken one of those small trampolines and pulled it out on the court. And so I got one of those basketballs, man. I took off running down the court, jumped on that trampoline, uh, jumped up, slammed that basketball. And I felt fantastic about myself. Had a great time that day. We played all evening on that trampoline, dunking that basketball. Now that's not um, me telling our young people it's okay to do that stuff. That's just me telling you what I did. Amen. But let me, let me tell you what happened. I lowered the standard. See, it wasn't me doing it. It was me jumping on something and doing it. I need some help to get up to where I need to be. Amen. How do you know? None of us can meet God's standard. I can't, you can't, none of us can. We need help. We need God's mercy. And that mercy came in the person of Jesus. There is none righteous, no, not one. Nobody's done everything right according to God's standard. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let me ask you something, church. What's all mean? All. What's all mean in the Hebrew? What's all mean in the Greek? See, all just means all. And the Bible says every one of us, all of us throughout this whole world have sinned, broken God's law. That's what sin is, you know, the transgression of the law. See, God has told us some things we shall not do. He said you should not lie, you should not steal, you should not commit adultery, uh, you should not have any other gods before him. He's the one true God. But how many of you understand we've all did things God told us we shouldn't do? 
We've lied. We've stole. Uh, we've done all those things. So, Brother, I've never committed adultery. Let me say this. Jesus said his standard is so high that to lust in your heart is just like committing the very act. You say, Brother, I've never killed anybody. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible says if you've had hatred in your heart toward another, it's just like you're a murderer. See, God's standard is so much higher than mine and yours. We may meet our standard, but we can't meet God's. Nobody can. And so the, in that, we see our great need for mercy. Let me give you the definition for mercy that um, Dr. Tony Evans gave. and It's a great one. I love Brother Evans. But he said it like this. He said, uh, mercy, justice is us getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. If you believe that, say amen. See, if we get what we deserve, if we get what we justly deserve, all of us stand under God's wrath. That means we're all headed straight for a devil's hell if we get what we deserve. But I'm thankful today that Jesus came and took my sin on the cross, took my punishment for my sin, showed me mercy so that I might be forgiven and be made right with God. Mercy is an amazing thing. I'm reminded of a story I heard one time about a little boy um, who had figured out the difference between justice and mercy. And we all need to understand the difference between justice and mercy. He was a good student in Sunday school and he had a good teacher who was teaching him the Word of God. And he was sitting with his mother one morning before she went to church. She was getting ready for church and she was putting on her makeup in the mirror, in the bathroom mirror. And she uh, put a little makeup on over here and a little bit over there. And she put a little lipstick on, a little eyeshadow on. And she finally got done and got her face fixed just like she liked it. And she said, son, I'm telling you, this makeup just ain't doing me any justice. He said, mama, you don't need justice. You need mercy. <laughs> now, how, how many of you understand this morning we don't need justice. If we get justice, we're all condemned. If we get what we deserve, we all get a devil's hell. We don't need justice. We need mercy. I need mercy. You need mercy. And when the psalmist asks for mercy right here, uh, folks, that's the beginning of receiving the blessing of God. It truly is. For him and for us. See, when I trusted in Jesus and I received forgiveness for my sin... God showed me His mercy. He forgave me. He made me in right, He put me in right standing with Himself. But it all started with me realizing my need for God's mercy in my life. That's the start of blessing. I was reading just the other day a pastor by the name of Chuck Swindoll, and he told a story. He said that. Um, there was a uh, young lady who was going too fast, uh, speeding in her car, and a police officer pulled her over on a Friday afternoon. It was in a small rural town, and, and um, the young lady was um, brought to court that very day. They was having court, and so the officer brought her right straight to court, and when she came in and stood before the judge, uh, the, the judge said, young lady, you've been found guilty of going 70 miles per hour in a 45 mile per hour speed zone. He said, the cost for your ticket is $100. She said, oh, judge, I don't have $100. I can't pay it. She said, he said, well, if you can't pay the ticket, you can't pay the fine, uh, then you're going to have to spend the weekend in jail. And uh, the, the young lady began to 
uh, um, cry just a little bit and, and ask the judge for mercy. She said, sir, I can't pay it. Would you show mercy this time? And he looked back at it and he said, well, these rules are for your good and for everybody else's safety. And I really can't um, skirt around the rules. We've got to do what the rules say. But let me tell you what the judge did then. He, he, he stood up from his judge's bench and he took off his judge's robes. He unzipped them and laid them to the side. And he walked down uh, around front to where the young lady was sitting. And she was sitting there at a table. And he, he took a $100 bill out of his pocket and he laid it down on the table. And then he walked back up to his judge's bench and he uh, picked his robes back up, put them back on, sit down there in front of the young lady and he said, uh, young lady, you've been found guilty of breaking the speed limit law and you said you couldn't pay. He said, so now you're going to be jailed for the weekend. He, oh, he said, oh wait, look, someone has paid your fine. He said, so we're going to let you go free. Now how many of you know that's a perfect picture of what Jesus has done for us, how God has showed his mercy through the person of his son. Jesus who is the king of kings. Jesus who is the judge. Can you say can you say amen? The one who is the lawgiver. He came down and did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He was born as a man, lived as a man, went to a cross and died for men doing for us what we couldn't do. Why? Because we couldn't pay the price. He did pay the price. He showed us mercy. He showed us grace. Titus chapter 3. Everybody flip over there with me. I want you to see this this morning. Titus chapter 3. Look down with me today at verse number 5. We'll read through verse 7. The Bible says, Not by works of righteousness which, were, uh, which we have done, but according to His mercy. Everybody say, according to His mercy. Watch this now. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He showed, shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified, why? How? How are we made right in God's eyes? That's what justified means. By His grace, we should be made our heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So let me ask you something. How are we saved? By God's mercy. Through God's grace. Because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus. We all need mercy. How I many you know I needed mercy when I got saved? But let me tell you something else. I still need mercy today. I needed mercy to get saved, and I need, I need God's mercy for Him to keep me saved. You know that God saves you and keeps you saved? By His grace, because of His mercy, all that is brought about to us by His love. Lamentations chapter 3, one of my favorite uh, scriptures in the Word of God is a uh, Lamentations was written by Jeremiah. Jeremiah is called in the Word of God the weeping prophet. Let me tell you why. He had a hard message to preach. He was preaching a message of destruction uh, to the uh, nation of Israel. They had disobeyed God, and because of their disobedience, God brought Babylon in and completely uh, destroyed the city, destroyed the temple, and took the, uh, uh, the, the people of God cap captive and kept them there for 70 years. Uh, Jeremiah came preaching this message. Nobody wanted to hear it. He was persecuted greatly. He, he was hated by the people. 
But he kept preaching the word of God. And then in Lamentations chapter 3, I want you to notice something he says in verse 21. He says, this I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. Watch what he says in verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Let me tell you the most powerful word in that whole verse. One little word with two letters, we. Jeremiah, the man of God, who was faithful to the things of God, preaching the word of God, puts himself right in the same position with all the people and says, it's because of God's mercies that we are not consumed. He, Jeremiah was not sitting on his spiritual high horse looking down on everybody else. Jeremiah was not saying, look at me how holy I am and, 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 and looking down his nose at, and, in other people's direction. Jeremiah realized that he needed God's mercy just like everybody else. And it was because of God's mercy that we're all still here. That all of us are not consumed. Praise God, it's true for Jeremiah and it's true for me and you. I need it to, when I got saved, I need it now that I am saved. We all need God's mercy. And look what he tells us. This is so, it's such a blessing. It is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassion or his love fails not. And then he says in verse 23, they are new every morning. See, I needed God's mercy this morning. I'll tell you this, I'm going to need God's mercy tomorrow morning. The morning after that. The morning after that. The morning after that. And on throughout my life, I'm thankful that what I need, God has given. The the truth is, folks, I, I want to be pleasing unto the Lord. I want to be what He's called me to be. I've got that desire within me as a child of God put there by the Holy Spirit Himself. But, but the, the, I want you to know, I'm not a perfect pastor. I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect father. I'm not a perfect witness. I'm not a perfect anything. And because of my lack of perfection, every day I need God's mercy. Now, I know there's a lot of believers who think they're perfect. You ever been around those folks? They'll bless your heart. But the truth is, none of us are. We're still in the growth process. We're still growing to become more like Jesus. And one day that's going to happen when I get to heaven, but I'm still growing now. He's still working on me. I'm not where I need to be, but praise God, because of His mercy, because of His grace, I'm sure not where I used to be. (laughs) So we continually need God's mercy. Let me say something else. Do you know we ought to show mercy? Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 7, Jesus said, we've got to show mercy to receive mercy. See, what what I think he's really saying there is that we ought to extend the same mercy and grace to others that God himself has extended unto us. Now, I mean, is that easy? When someone's wronged you, when someone's persecuted you, when someone's, uh, listen, done horrible things, when someone's done things they shouldn't do or maybe they hadn't done things they should have done? Well, guess what? God has shown mercy unto us because all of us have done things we shouldn't do and have not done things we should do. We've sinned in commission when we sin uh, sins of omission, amen? 
Now, if God has showed that mercy unto us as God's people, portraying the love of God to others, I want you to know we ought to show that same mercy unto everyone else. That is absolutely impossible through the power of the flesh. But we are called to show mercy, to offer forgiveness. See, a lot of people are held captive by their unforgiving heart. You're still holding on to stuff that somebody did to you 15, 20, 30 years ago. Holding on to stuff they did or they didn't do. I read a church sign here a while back that made so much sense to me. It said, when you walk in unforgiveness, you allow people to live inside your head rent free. <laughs> that's good. And that's exactly what happens. Walking in unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it kills somebody else. Offer mercy. Move on. Get over it. You're still here. God brought you through. He hadn't give up on you. Walk with Him. Love others. Folks, I'm going to tell you, that's the answer to happiness, true joy and true peace. I've heard it said, maybe you have too, joy means Jesus first, others second, yourself last. <laughs> Sometimes that's hard to do when it's hard to show mercy. It's hard to give forgiveness. We need mercy. When we got saved, we need mercy now that we are saved. We need to extend mercy to others. And then the psalmist prays something else. He says, and bless us. Bless us. <laughs> do you know that we have received all the spiritual blessings that God has to offer in Christ Jesus as believers? Remember me telling you that all three things that the psalmist asked for is what we have received as the people of God. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3. The Bible says it like this, this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us. God has blessed us with what? With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Wow. All spiritual blessings. Now, I could preach for a long time about the spiritual blessings we have in Jesus and never get done. But I want you to know this, folks. There's four things I know God has done for the believer. Now, I'm going to go through these very quickly so you, you, you listen fast, I'll talk fast. Number one, he's made me a part of a people. Amen? Folks, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 15 that I have not received the spirit of, of fear, but I have received the spirit of adoption whereby I cry, Abba, Father. When I place my faith in Jesus, guess what God did for me? He made me a part of His family. I am now an adopted son of God Himself because of faith in Christ. He's made me a part of His family, His people. Listen, sonship... In, in, in the family of God, it's an amazing thing. With sonship comes all the blessing that God has for His children. Never take for granted that you are the sons and daughters of God if you've placed your faith in Christ. He's blessed us with uh, being made part of a people. He's also changed my position. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. How many of you know there was a time when I was once outside of Christ? Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12 says it like this. I was without God. I had no hope in this world. I was aliens from, I was an alien from the promises of God, from the commonwealth of Israel. I had absolutely nothing without Jesus. But because of faith in Christ, He's changed my position. I went from being outside the Lord Jesus to what the Bible says I am in Christ. With that change of position, well, that really changes everything. To be in Christ means I'm made a partaker of all Christ is and all Christ has. I'm an heir to God the Father and I'm joint heirs with Jesus. You too are as well if you've placed your faith in Jesus this morning. He's changed your position. He's made you a part of a people. And listen to me now. He's done all of this according to his mighty power. How many of you know God is not at all concerned about reforming your flesh. Do you know that? God is not in the business of making the flesh better. See, I think we've got it wrong in the modern church because we always want to tell, we, we just say it like this, well, God wants to use you. Let, let me say this. God does want to work in the lives of his people. There's no doubt about that. But let me tell you how he does it. It's not through reforming your old sinful flesh. It's through you dying to your flesh and being transformed by the power of God and the word of God. It's the life of Jesus living in you, working through you. It's not you trying to do better in your own um, self-will. It's not you trying to do better in your own power. It's you relinquishing your will to His will. It's you dying to yourself and, and, and living uh, through His power. In the book of Galatians, Paul says it like this. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. How many of you know if he says he's crucified with Christ, that means he's died. That's what crucifixion is about. He's saying, I'm di I've died to the old man. I've died to the old way. How I used to live. How I used to act. How I used to think. The old attitudes. The old opinions. I'm crucified that old man. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ. The, the life of Christ. He's in me in the person of the Holy Spirit. And now that the Holy Spirit is in me, He lives through me to accomplish God's will and purpose. Listen. That the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. By God's power, he enables us to be what we're called to be, what we're saved to be. He's given me a new purpose. We'll talk about that later. But uh, then number three, he says something else in verse number one of Psalm 67. He asked the Lord to make his face to shine upon him. I love that. Folks, when we're talking in the Word of God about God's hand, we're talking about His provision, what God gives us, how He works and moves and answers prayer in our life. But when we're speaking about His face, we're talking about His person. Are you hearing me? I'm going to tell you something. To know His person is more important than anything else. Do you remember me telling you if there were no heaven and there were no hell, I'd still get saved? 
I'm telling you, child of God, I, if I, if, and, and if you're not a child of God especially, I want to tell you, listen, if I had a thousand lives, I'd give them all to Jesus. You may tell you why, just so I could know Him. Just so I could walk with Him and talk with Him. Just so I could learn of Him. L look what Paul said in the book of Philippians. Go over there with me and look in Philippians chapter number 2. Excuse me, chapter number 3. And let's look down, if you will, at verse number 4. Paul talks to us a little bit about his old life. And I want, to, I want you to look at this. He says, Though I might also have the confidence in the flesh, and any other man thinketh uh, that he hath whereof he might also trust in the flesh, I the more said, If anybody can brag about who they were in the flesh, what they had been taught in the flesh, where they came from, as far as the flesh goes, I could brag about it. He says in verse 5, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew among the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the right which is in the law. He said, I was blameless in all these things. He said in verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted for loss. Why? For Christ. For Christ. Me and my kids had a discussion about this yesterday. Paul was martyred for his faith. He was beheaded in Rome because he just kept telling people about Jesus. But now I want you to think about this. Before Paul trusted in Christ, just like he says here, he was a Hebrew among Hebrews. He was a Pharisee who the Bible says he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the greatest teachers of the Jews at that time. He was well respected among the religious hierarchy of the day. Paul was looked at as a Jew among Jew, a Hebrew among Hebrews, he was doing pretty well in the world. And then on the road to Damascus, Jesus came and changed Paul's life forever. He went from being Saul to then being Paul. And everything changed. He became the foremost preacher of the gospel who was once the foremost persecutor of the gospel and Christians. He was going to imprison and kill Christians and now he's going to make other Christians by preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus. He went on to write 13 books in the New Testament. The majority of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. But he ended up being beheaded. And he said, you know what? Even though he ended up in a prison, losing his life for the sake of Christ, beaten, persecuted, imprisoned many times throughout his ministry, even though all that happened, he said, I count all that stuff in the past for loss just because I get to know Jesus. Folks, serving Christ, knowing Christ, it's worth it. And it's what really matters. If you really want to know what life's all about, you've got to know the creator of life. And the only way you can know that is through trusting in His Son. God has given us a purpose. Uh, Psalms 67, verse number 2, it says that so that we might wake His way known in all the world. 
If you today have realized God's blessing through a personal relationship with Jesus, if you know you've been born again, let me ask you this. Are you fulfilling your purpose? To make God's way known means we make who he is and what he wants known in the world. Well, who is he? Well, he's our heavenly father who loved us enough to send us his son. What does he want? Well, the Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3 and 9. See, God wants the whole world to be saved. That's why he sent his son to die on a cross. Are you fulfilling your purpose in telling others about what Jesus has done for all of us? Let, let me say this. There's going to come a time when every one of us, if the Lord tarries, are going to close our eyes in death. Now I'm ready to meet the Lord. I say right now, even so come, Lord Jesus. We've been talking about the rapture of the church on Wednesday nights. and Man, I'm excited uh, for what God's word tells me concerning the return of Christ, that he's going to come and receive his people unto himself, that where he is, there we might be also. The Bible says we can comfort one another with those words. Amen? If you know Christ today, that ought to be a comfort to you. This world is not my home. I have, so I have a, a much greater hope to look forward to. All of us do as believers. But I want you to know something. If the Lord tarries, we're one day going to close our eyes in death. I, I'm not morbid. I, I'm telling you, I love life. I enjoy life. I want to live as long as I hope I lived 150. I really do. I, I, I want to see what God continually does right here at Mount Zion Baptist Church. I want to see God move and work and bless and change the hearts and lives of people. I, I'm excited about what he has done, what he is doing, what he's going to do. I want to see what happens right here uh, as pastor of your church. I want to see uh, what God continually does through my family, through my kids. I want to spend at least 60 years with my wife. I want to enjoy my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids and my great-great-grandkids. I, I want all that. But there's going to come a time if the Lord tarries when I close my eyes in death, and you will as well. It's important that a man wants to die. Amen? It's coming for us all. Let me tell you what's really going to matter. What's really going to make all the difference when you're laying on your deathbed. It's not how much money you made. Nothing wrong with making money. But that's not what's going to be most important. Now what kind of house you live in. That's all well and good. And if God's blessed you, that's fantastic. It's not what kind of car you drive. It's not what kind of position you hold. Let me tell you why. All that stuff is just temporary. All that stuff will one day fall away, fade away. In a hundred years, what's really going to matter for all of us sitting in this room this morning is whether or not we fulfilled His purpose. Child of God, if you've realized your blessing, if you've saw your need for mercy, if you've trusted in Jesus and been born again, that's where real blessing's all about. Do you know Him? Has he changed you? If so, are you fulfilling your purpose? Are you making who God is known to a lost and dying world? Are you at work in his body? Are you plugged in to the body of Christ? I love what Miss Agnes put in her, in her bulletin this morning. I thought it was uh, 
great truth. If I can find my bulletin. Anybody got a bulletin? Great, thank you. Let me just read that for you. I thought that was awesome. It says a whole lot about fulfilling our purpose as the people of God. Down at the bottom, if you open it up on the right hand page there, it says, He has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men in his way. He has no voice but our voice to tell men how he died. He has no help but our help to lead them to his side. Folks, I want you to know, it's our purpose to bring Jesus to a lost and dying world. To be the hands and feet of Jesus in his body. To make a difference in what we do every day at our home, at our school, at our workplace, at our church, wherever we are. Are you fulfilling your purpose? If not, get right with the Lord today. Let's be about the business that we've been saved to do. Not by our power, but by His. Everybody stand today. Brother, come on up. You cannot fulfill your purpose till you realize the blessing. You can't realize the blessing till you know Jesus. <laughs> That's where a life of blessing truly comes from. Relationship to Him. So whatever you need today in this invitation time, you come.